never make it After all we've been through But you gave us power Over every sea Walked us through the deep Gave us victory So thank you very much for tuning into Conversations with Uncle Charles. Um, I'm, as I always say, I'm, I'm very, I feel very blessed that you, you tune in to listen to this. And what we do on this show is we talk to um, people within the community. Um, I was going to use the phrase public figures <laughs> within the community uh, who have some information to impart to us that would impact our lives as well. And on today's show, I am very privileged to have um, a lady who's... Okay, let's start. Let's, let's look at his, her CV. She's a pastor's kid. Oh, she is a vocal coach. She is a musician. She is a, a choir leader. Uh, she's, she's a musician in her own right. Uh, what else? What else? What else can we say? What else can we say? I'm just, I'm just a girl out here. <laughs> she, she is actually a, she, London. <laughs> she is legally trained. She is a barrister as well, believe it. So you guys better behave yourself because you know what can happen after that. Welcome to the show, Anu. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very privileged and i feel very honored to be asked so thank you so much i find you it know, interesting that you introduced me the first thing you put on my cv was a pastor's kid bearing in mind i had no control over that i did nothing to achieve that except be born so so so, so that's that's a qualification that you have for life you know it's like when, when you when you're born into royalty yeah royalty. You, you, you can't do anything about it you know that's that's wow. that's for life that's, that's permanent you can't do anything so if you're if you're a pastor's kid there's nothing you can do about it you cannot change it you know <laughs> so any, anyway listen i introduce you as anu but uh full name is anu omidei do you have any names in between because i know hey what, 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 you, what, what do you want to say what do you want to say <laughs> there's always you've got a few middle middle names middle names do you want to share that with us as as a yoruba Girl, oh. woman, I definitely have names. So the ones that are on my, um, uh, well, I'm not even going to say where they are, but the ones that I go by <laughs> are Anu Oluwapa, Iyanu Omidei. So it's not too bad. Iyanu. <laughs> yes, Iyanu. Do I know what Iyanu means? All right, just, 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 you know, decipher that for us. Yeah. Oh, it's just, you know, the God of wonders and miracles. And, you know, that is, has been a, a massive part of my life as well. So I'm really um, privileged to carry that name. I really enjoy it. And you know, Anu Oluwako is the mercy of God. Wow, wow. Again, that has really impacted my life. So, yeah. You know what? Can you actually, um, I need you to confirm this, but do you think or do you agree that names have a way of actually impacting, like you've just said, you know, do, do you want to share some some with us, you know, how your names, how you think your name has actually impacted your life or uh, affected your life in any way, shape or form? 
I really believe that names do have an impact. I really believe that. I have always felt that um, the name Anu has impacted my life greatly. I have felt the mercy of God on my life, but I've also felt the need to, to, to be merciful, if I can even say that, as much as possible. So um, I think it was actually somebody that pointed out pointed this out to me in my probably in my 20s or so and they were like you know you're you're pretty forgiving (laughs) as a person you know you never hold a grudge for long and I just thought oh my gosh you know and I really started to think about where that might have come from um, in terms of my environment and nurture and I'm sure that there are many influences that have led to that but I definitely think that there's something in the name I really do so that's definitely how it's impacted my life. And in terms of God of miracles and wonders, I have, uh, you know, we just don't have time to um, to talk about the miracles that I've personally seen. I'll just share one extremely briefly. In 2007, I had to have brain surgery, of all things. And, um, you know, the way it was caught was nothing short of miraculous because I was actually losing my sight. And I walked into the hospital one day to have some sort of um, relief for the symptoms that I was experiencing. And the, the consultant just said to me, look, if we don't get you into an operation really quickly, you're, you're, you're already losing your peripheral vision and we don't know if we can get that back. <laughs> so <laughs> in no time at all, a matter of days, I was in the country's foremost hospital for neurology and neurosurgery having an operation. And glory to God, the the recovery from that was pretty miraculous. Um, Since then, I I haven't had any significant issues to deal with that. There was a time where shortly after the operation, I was in hospital and um, I was sort of joking with a friend saying, look, by this time next week, I want to be here celebrating with you and your mother. And by a complete miracle, the consultant in the hospital who never comes in at the weekend happened to be in and discharged me on the very day that I said I would be celebrating with this person. And that went straight to their house and did celebrate. So lots of miracles um, in my life. And uh, I really thank God for them. I mean, when I asked you to um, to kind of tell us about your names, I wasn't expecting that there's <laughs> going to be this massive, seriously, this massive testimony, you know, about the fact that you had brain surgery. And the moment you mentioned the National Hospital for Neurology, I, I mean, this is in Holborn. And, right, you know, yeah. from what I've, what I've done in the past, I know when people talk about that hospital, that's big. Oh, and, yeah. and you know, and for you to have gone in there, come out and be doing the things that you're doing, that tells you that, you know, the God we serve is still alive. Correct. Most, really? most definitely. Most really? definitely. We, th- we, th- we thank God that, you know, your life was spared. You know, you had your vision. And um, until recently, uh, no, I, I, I didn't know, apart from all the things that you do, that you actually play the keys as well. And we're going to talk about your new song that you've just, you've released uh, very soon. Uh, but what was it like growing up in the household that you did? You had a big family. I had a, a really, really wonderful childhood, I have to say, in many, many respects. I did have a big family. I do have a big family. Um, and there were lots of children around. 
who were part of the immediate family, but also who were part of the extended family. So lots of playing, lots of games, lots of church, <laughs> lots of prayers, as you get when you when you grow up as a pastor's kid. Um, but but lots and lots of of really cool um, things going on, and just uh, a really cool childhood in that in, in that regard there was another side to it though um which i didn't disclose until very recently and um or to the public until very recently um, my loved ones have known for a very long time but um i suffered quite some extensive trauma as a child and it's really interesting how you can compartmentalize that because i do remember being very happy and loving parents and so on and so forth. But there, this other side to it was that, unfortunately, I was abused as a child. And that went on for, for quite some time and was pretty traumatic. And, and so, you know, as growing up, that was a part that I was forced to keep secret as abusers do and it impacted me in ways that I didn't really understand until I became an adult um and so you know I'll speak a bit more when you um ask me to <laughs> about sure, sure, led sure, me to in terms sure. of what I'm doing about that today well, we're going to we're going to talk about that into a little bit more depth, but um, it's very easy. I mean, and you started off with um, with with um, a statement that you grew up in a very large family. It was by and large a very happy family, um, but then behind the scenes, as you've um, sort of just mentioned, um, there was something going on behind the scenes. Um, is it? Uh, can I, can we say? I mean, before we even get to the actual part um issue can we can we say that sometimes you know uh, and especially growing up in the household that you did and i tell you what years ago i used to watch your dad on tv i I think it was it was i can't remember if it was on on saturday afternoons or sunday afternoons but i liked his sunday yeah (laughs) you know i I liked his demeanor and god bless him i mean you know your dad's been called called him extraordinary man i mean i liked his demeanor he will sit down and he will go into the word of God, very quiet. And what I liked about him was it wasn't about the razzmatazz and everything. He would be, the camera would just be on him and he would just deliver the word. There was, you know, there was, it wasn't about this is me and my congregation kind of stuff. I'm here. This is the word you listen. And I I used to tune in regularly. Um, So, you know, behind all of that, things were going on and sometimes you know we 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 think hang on you know um this is a man who's got it all together his family's got it all together but unbeknown to him or to the family something else happens how difficult i suppose you were a child but how difficult was it i'm not asking you to go into what happened or whatever but how difficult was it to kind of be dealing with these two um are they emotions at the same time yeah. yeah, no, this is the reason why I'm speaking out about it, because I want people to be very clear that my parents are amazing people, um, have been, um, have always been and and still are. My, my, my dad's passed away, but, you know, my family um, it is, it is an incredible family. And the difficulty is that you can, as a 
as an adult or as a parent, as a carer, you can look at children and you may not always see what is going on. Um, as I said, my memories of my childhood are, are, are they're very odd. So I remember the, the joy of church and being with um, lots of other children and singing. I was always singing at a young age and that kind of thing. And so I, I imagine that I presented as a very confident child, as a generally happy child and so on and so forth. So I think it's very, very difficult for adults in that circumstance to identify that there might be something going on behind, especially when people wish to take advantage of that, you know, and, and it was um, a, a close friend of the family who, who took advantage, um, of course, unbeknown to everybody else. And it's really difficult. You do have these conflicting things going on um, and it's not always easy to process those as a child. And so I think that what I in fact did was to suppress it and just to push it away completely. And I'm now examining that as an adult with therapy, etc. I, I tell everybody that therapy is a part of my healing process because I think it's very important to destigmatize that. Um, it's really important because as a child, I have very little, if any, memories before the age of something like seven or something, which when you think about that, that's incredible, isn't it? So mm. so my um, my way of dealing with the, the situation and those conflicting emotions must have been to have completely buried them, you know, not just as an adult, but whilst it was happening to compartmentalize and bury. And I think that that will have been a protective mechanism by which I was still able to survive and function, not just as a child, but even into my adult life. Um, the issue with that is that um, you can't deceive your body forever. <laughs> One day it will catch up with you. And as I've said in other discussions, um, if we don't deal with the things that happen to us as a child, good or bad, but in particular, if there's any trauma or anything that's out of the ordinary, you are really just deferring a debt. And at some point that debt is going to have to be paid. And it's in the payment of that debt that I've come to this <laughs> experience and realization and, and trying to do things to help other people. Well, you know, um, it's interesting that you're, you're talking about the fact that you're, you're now coming to terms with what's happened in the past and you feel more emboldened to actually come out. Um, and I mean, we had a conversation apart from this, we were talking about the fact that I, I believe strongly that is that advocacy part of you, which is kind of moving and pushing this forward. And I, I'm, I'm very sure this is going to help a lot of people. But going back, do you think um, there's any cultural relevance as to the fact that it's taking you this long for you to actually come out and speak boldly. Do you think if you had spoken up earlier, what would the reaction from your immediate surroundings, what do you think that would have been? Because, you know, we're a culture, and when I talk about we are, I'm talking about the African culture. Um, there's... <sighs> How do I put it? Maybe you might understand where I'm trying to go uh, from. Uh, with this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, do you think there's a cultural element as to why this wasn't actually voiced out earlier? It's taking you this long to do that. And if there is that element in our culture, what can you say about that? I think that this is such a sensitive topic that every person who is affected by it in any way has to be given the time to process it and work their way through it. And that can take days, months, years, decades. And so I don't think that there is any right or wrong time to speak out about it. And I really want to make it clear that I don't think that it's always appropriate to speak out about it. It really depends on the person who is most affected by it. And by that, I mean the victim or the survivor, because some people will never feel comfortable talking about it to anyone. And just as a quick aside, I want to say that as I have started to speak about it, I have been flooded with people telling me their own stories um, from every community, I have to say, not just the African community, but whites, blacks, young, old, everything in between, because this is a a global problem, frankly. Um, But I've been flooded with people telling me their stories, and some of them are saying it for the very first time as, as fairly grown people, I won't say old people, but mature people are voicing it for the first time, you know, and that is very profound to me. It's a real honor and privilege for me to to be able to hear those types of things, but it is eye-opening to the fact that there's no specific time to come forward or speak out. It really depends on how the person feels. Having said that, and also I would say that um, people that feel that they wish to speak out really ought to be ready to do so because it can actually re-traumatize you if you're not ready, if you haven't sufficiently healed or if you're not in a good place to do so. Just talking about it again can make you feel really upset and, and, and traumatized. So it's a very sensitive thing. Having said that, I do think that our African communities might have a specific problem. I don't think that other communities do not have this problem because they do. I just think that we might be a little bit behind other communities that have already grappled or are grappling with, maybe just a little bit further ahead, grappling with the same problem. And that's that speaking about it may be seen to be taboo. And, you know, in some African quarters, I've even heard as much as people may think differently about you. They may think that you Mm. somehow contributed to it, which as a concept is thoroughly appalling, given that as a child, and I'm talking as a very young child, I was, you know, from honestly, probably as early as I can remember, you know, very, very young child, um, for quite some time, for years. So as a child, you can never be responsible. Frankly, as a victim of any age, you are never responsible when you suffer abuse, you know? Um, And and abusers will try to manipulate you and gaslight you and guilt and shame you into thinking that you are responsible. The reason for that is because they want to continue abusing you. And unfortunately, society buys into that um, 
I know we're talking about the African community now, but I really want to stress it's not just the African community, but society can buy into that and can contribute to trying to um, apportion blame, guilt and shame on the victim or the survivor. And frankly, that kind of response can only contribute to ongoing abuse. Also, on top of that, silence, when you know that abuse is ongoing, is a weapon against the victim, right? So if anyone knows that abuse is going on, or even has a strong suspicion of such, and chooses to keep silence, you are helping the abuser to abuse the abused. And I know that sounds really strong, but it is a really important message because this is the type of thing that can affect people throughout their entire lives. And I feel very, very um, fortunate to have been able to pick myself up in in some sense and, and go through some form of healing to the point where I'm able to try and help other people. But the healing will always continue. I don't think that's a journey that will end. That'll be something that I'll always be looking to God for and actively working on myself, you know, so that the impacts are very, very far reaching. So I would just encourage our communities to really think long and hard about the way we we discuss this. And this is why I'm coming out. And I don't know how people might respond to me. Or might I, I was, I was going to say, you know, you, um, some people would have taken their roots where, yeah, you know, within their own circles, they can talk about it, talk about it within their families, but not actually um, ventured out large as you have, uh, as in um, fast forward to you have a children's project going on at the moment, which is talking about these issues. And tell us a little bit about that project. Well, one, first of all, were you kind of scared about any backlash? And secondly, why have you decided to go large on this? Obviously, for, for you know reasons that you've mentioned, but is there any other reasons why you decided to go large rather than on a small scale? Okay, so I mentioned therapy before because it's a, an important part of this story. I came out of a therapy session during lockdown and the burning question in my heart was, my gosh, If only as a child, I had heard continuous messages. And that's really important because it's not like my parents who who are very responsible, great, as I said, um, great family, they would have said, look, you've got to be careful. You've got to be, you know, but having continuous conversations is really the key because as a child, if you, if you have to fight off danger, from a position who is in from sorry from a person who is in a position of authority above you which every adult is when you are a child especially in in our african communities where we must respect our elders if you have to in the moment of danger protect yourself you need to be empowered to do that and the way to be empowered to do that is to keep hearing from other adults who are responsible and loving and kind, et cetera, that you can, you can say no, you can fight, you can do this. You need that permission. And one conversation or so will not be enough. I know as adults, we, we it's very uncomfortable. It's such a sensitive topic. We don't want our children to be unhappy or, or scared or what have you. But the problem is that 
predators who who that's what they are if they're targeting children they or anybody frankly um they do not care that your child is too young so you've got to get in there first and so i came out of this therapy session thinking if only i had heard continuous messages because i needed continuous messages the 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 messages here and there that were emphatic that were loving that were well intended they just weren't enough to stop the harm coming to me i thought well if i didn't have that i want to be somebody who can help with that and immediately i started to think well how can i do that and because i work with children on a weekly basis pre covid i would have seen about at least 500 children a week at the most maybe up to 1000 children a week depending on what was happening i i got an idea of of what children like what they enjoy um and so i thought well as a musician um and someone who likes to write songs and play songs and 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 do that i will write um some catchy material a catchy song i'll put the positive messages in the song because children can be extremely obsessive about songs that they like you know so they will literally listen to a song again and again and again and again if they really like it and then they'll want to learn the lyrics they'll want to learn every single word i can't tell you the number of times i've missed on a day missed on a day can you give us the lyrics can you give us the lyrics um, can we take them home so we can learn them you know they really want it you know um and then they want to sing karaoke with it so they want to have it without the the original singer but they're doing it on their own and then they want to do shows with it or they want to sing it to their friends or they want to perform it to their families or they want to perform it in schools and i just thought well why not create this really positive message within a song that if the kids love it they're going to gravitate towards it and even if they don't love it just by hearing it again and again it'll stick in their minds and that message is continuously continuously turning around in their minds and before you know it they've actually internalized it without even realizing it and that can assist with giving them the tools that they need to protect themselves if god forbid the moment of danger should ever approach them and then i wanted to extend the idea and say well actually i'm going to give a lesson plan or an activity and discussions plan to accompany the resource so that it can help the adults who might feel uncomfortable about approaching the subject it might help them with ideas about how to do that so fun things like dancing to the songs a little bit of comprehension here some affirmations and then some scenarios for example i've got scenarios in there um a child anna is 6 years old her parents wash her including her pi- private parts or her mum or dad does whatever and um, what do you think about this if she was 7 or 10 might your thoughts about this change so really open ended discussions that you can have with your children that can lead you to gently and in appropriate language and in a way that's really fun continue to give them the messages of how to support themselves so um it's encapsulated within a project called difficult discussions easy songs but the actual um one that deals with this issue is called precious and private so coming back to your question about why i decided to go um large with it as you say is i just thought to myself well if i'm really serious about trying to help as many families and children as possible 
then there has to be some context to it. I can't in the in one breath be ashamed of what I have gone through and then in the other breath say, well, but I'm asking you to protect your own children. It just didn't make sense to me. I don't know if you can understand that, Uncle Charles. It just Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. I do. It didn't make sense yeah. to me. I thought if I'm if we if we're gonna if I'm gonna be serious about um wanting to help people to protect their, their children, I have to tell them the reason why. And yes, that did come with, it came with fear and anxiety. I thought about it long and hard for months. Um, am I going to say this, you know, right up until the week before I was thinking, is there a way that I could, I could put this out without having to tell my story? But I knew deep in my heart that there just wasn't. And if I'm honest, I, I have known for a long time, I've known for years, is that one day I was going to tell my story. I just didn't know how, um, because I've known for a while that that lots of people suffer this way. And I just thought there has to be a way to be part of the chorus to, to help. And there are lots of people and lots of great organizations that, that do help. But why can't I join them and help in my own little corner? Hmm. You know, hmm. so you know what? Let, let me just let me just stop you there for a moment. And, and I love interviewing people like yourself who can actually read my mind as to what the next next question is going to be, <laughs> and you actually, you know, answer it before I've asked you. Uh, but you 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 just said something that a lot of people are going through. Um, you know, as we're talking, well the emphasis is on you and what you went through and how you're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you say a lot, can you back this up with any uh, sort of um, statistics, any numbers? Of I mean, people? It's, it's difficult um, to do so um, because it's one of those hidden offences. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. People do not report. But let's, let's talk about the ones that have been unearthed, the ones we have numbers for when things have come out in the light, where authorities have been involved, where it's gone through um, the, the legal justice system. Right. You well, know. well, let me tell you um, a really horrifying figure and mm. is, is going to, um, I mean, when I read this, my eyes just popped open because it's it, it to me it was just shocking and this is as recent as it gets right so in august 2020 the nspcc reported that police recorded more than 200 child sexual offenses on average every single blessed day no last year yes no yes I, I, was, I thought you were going to say in, in the... What minute, you asked for the stats, Professor. <laughs> My goodness. Child offences, child sexual offences, because that's what we're talking about specifically today, rose 57% in the last five years. And I want... And this, this statistic hit me like a thunderbolt. And because... When you extrapolate that information, so if you're reporting from August 2020, the data is coming from 2019. Now, when you think of the children that have been in lockdown over the last few months, with nowhere to go, that may have significantly increased the fertile ground for that type of activity. It is an immensely scary picture. 
But I mean, I mean, um, so, so some of the numbers you gave us was before lockdown, though. Uh, and you, you mentioned that it had gone up by fifty. So why, why, why are we seeing this increase? Is that because these cases are being detected more, people are reporting more, or people are becoming more depraved in society? What? Why is that? I don't know. It's very difficult to know. I can't claim to know the answer um, to to those questions in detail. I would imagine that people are reporting more because the taboo in this country, which that that data relates to, is fast decreasing about you know reporting child sexual offences. So one would hope that reporting is occurring more. But how can we? categorically say that there hasn't been an increase you just you just you can't, you can't say one way or another what we know is that there is definitely an increase of 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 the record of these offenses so i mean it is extremely terrifying as a figure and so for me to tie this into the question you previously asked there just isn't room for my shame or you know or my embarrassment about telling my story or or my fear about how people might um respond to me when there are 200 children that are being uh, abused every single day you know for me it becomes a no brainer are you going to worry about how people receive you or are you going to try and do something about it and use everything that you have and so um regardless of how i feel or felt about it the work had to be done and so you know the work must go on <laughs> the, work, the work must go on uh, it's, it's like the worship must go on isn't it? i said it like that because i want to the show must go on. we'll talk about that in a moment um but before we actually talk about some of the tools that people can access uh, to empower children yeah say a parent as a parent or as somebody who um has gone through this are there signs that a parent can actually identify if their child is going through something like that? You know, in, in your work, have you come across things that maybe parents miss? Because, you know, I, I, all, my kids are all, all um, ladies. I was going to say they're all girls, but they're all ladies. So <laughs> as, as a father, if I have young children and, and let's say it's not only um, sort of limited to, to girls, it really isn't limited to girls. It That's isn't. really so, an important point to make. It really is not limited to girls at all. Boys are abused frequently also. Is there is there anything that parents can look out for or guardians can look out for? Um, signs or some alarm bells to ring when you see this or that? Have you come across that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking that because that's a really important question. Um, there are... Um, a number of signs, but every child is different, right? So you can't just say, if I see this, I'm going to panic. Or if I don't see this, there that means there's the absence of a problem. I think the very first thing I would say, coming across um, lots of material, dealing with this, putting it together, etc. Um, the thing that often seems to occur is that your child's behavior changes one way or another. So an abrupt change one way or another, that could be anything that just seems really out of character for your child. You know, um, that that is something that that would be one of the common signs that something might be amiss. 
uh, especially if you can't explain it. So if, for example, if your child is normally happy, bouncy, and all of a sudden they're really quiet, really withdrawn over a long, prolonged period of time, and you can't explain it, there's not been a death in the family or something like that, just start gently investigating what might be behind it. Um, the, the, the reverse might be true, actually. You know, if you have a child that's normally very quiet and withdrawn, but then they become really loud, belligerent, or or even, you know, oh. a, a, just a bit hyperactive. So it's try, probably trying yeah. to hide something. Well, it's just an unexplained change in behaviour oh, personality. Wow. So other things, you know, being withdrawn, you know, seeming anxious, um, as I said before, m- maybe becoming aggressive that, and your child's not normally like that. Um, if if there is a lack of social skills or very few friends, if any, if you can't really bond with, with you or they're just pulling away, um, you know, sometimes they know too much about adult issues that might be a, a, an indicator um you know if they're slightly older they might be running away or going missing wearing clothes that that cover a lot of their body where they don't normally do that you know just there are several things and these things that i've mentioned don't necessarily mean that the child is being abused there could be other things that are happening that that relate to that so please don't jump to that conclusion but it would it's definitely better to start investigating just just speaking to the child and if you don't have um the rapport by which you can elicit that information then then you've got to build it or you've got to find somebody who does um i wouldn't take it personally if a child decides that they don't want to talk to you about something they may have been told specifically not to talk to you about something and that may be operating in their minds and so it's better that they talk to somebody than that they talk to nobody um so but there are a, a number of things that can point towards something being slightly wrong. I mean, I remember as a child, I used to wet the bed a lot. <laughs> and it's really interesting because as an adult, I did, it, it was only as an adult that I, I was able to correlate that to what was happening to me. Mm. And I think mm. probably that was probably the primary sign for me because because my body was reacting rather than my my demeanor. And that's what can happen with trauma and stress. It'll find a place to lodge in your body and it may show, but you may not be aware of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. And in those times, you know, I grew up in the 80s. <laughs> we, you know, we didn't have all of the, um, this uh, information and all the science that, that, that put distress and bedwetting together. We just thought at that time that that if if a child wet their bed, it's because they they couldn't control themselves, you know. So, but now we know that that might be associated with trauma, but we certainly didn't know that at the time. So there were all these different things. I hope that answers your question. It does. It does answer my question. It does answer my question. And um, you know, it, this is so. Um... I'm enjoying this conversation and for anyone who's just joined us, um, I'm in conversation with Miss Anu Omidei. Um, she has just started, I mean, she's a musician. She's, um, you know, I always like saying that she's a barrister mm-hmm. and um, she's got this project. So you've just told us about some of the signs and it obviously is a very, very big list. I mean, this yeah. on its own is a whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've put together um, a project, a kit yeah. that, 
parents, organisations can access. Just tell us about that briefly and how people can access it. Right. So you can go to my website, anuomidei.com, or if you know that's too much, you just go to difficultdiscussionseasysongs.com. Um, they point to the same place, and, and there's lots of information there on the relevant page about this particular project. Within each toolkit, you get a video, a cartoon video for children, a cartoon karaoke video for children, because as I said earlier, children just love to learn a song and then they don't want the original person. They want to be able to sing it back themselves and be the pop star. Um, so that you can, you can also mm-hmm. get, you also get the song track audio without a video. You get the song track audio um, of the karaoke version as well. You get an instrumental so that they can use it for fun shows. They can just use the music or you can just use the music to listen to and dance to. Um, It's an upbeat song. Then you get the lyrics, but then you also get this discussion and activity plan. um, So that's within every pack. So you can can get it as an individual um, for a very limited price, it's only five pounds, as a single single user and have that in your home but organizations can buy them in bigger packs for 35 downloads where every download goes to the to the home of the child so you pick it and then you send it off to whomever you want to um you buy it sorry you send it off to whomever you want to and that's you know to to focus at the the churches the children's clubs the after school clubs the any organization that's relatively small. And then you have the bigger packages for schools where they get up to 200 downloads and with exactly the same thing. But the schools also have a lesson plan as well so that they can teach that in school. So that's how the package comes together. And, and this is to say that, you know, there's some kind of involvement with the NSPCC as well, isn't it? Absolutely. So um, I have um, got material from all these sources, NSPCC, Bernardo's Childline, um, I've worked with a child specialist, a child trauma specialist, um, head teachers, teachers, just as much information and material as I could find. And yeah, there may be, um, I'm, I'm in talks at the minute with the NSPCC about um, doing some some things further. So who knows? Who knows? What so, so. I mean, this this is not something that's just anecdotal. Is you know, you've just put you. It's it's well researched based on experience, and I think you know for parents because sometimes these are very difficult conversations to have, and you know somebody's actually taking the time out to research, put something together that would make that conversation easier. And I think you know it's got to a point now where. Most of our kids learn from videos. They're always on the internet and stuff like that. So I think this is a very appropriate uh, appropriate resource. How, how has the support been so far? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, I find that because it's such a um, difficult subject, it can elicit so many different types of responses. So in relation to when I, I put it out on, on social media and so on and so forth, the response was overwhelming. I couldn't, I just had to kind of pause for a minute and um, just try and take it in because I couldn't believe the level of, of, of response and, and support 
frankly, that I, I was receiving. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I really can't say. And so, yeah, people have been really been um, supporting and spreading the news and, and um, lots of different suggestions about how to take it even further. And so I'm, I'm about to, I'm just about to push it to schools because that's the main focus. Um, I just was waiting for the second version of the project to come on, which deals with um, discussions around racism, child-friendly racism, um, race, uh, sorry, child-friendly discussions concerning racism. So putting the two together and and um, approaching schools about that and so on and so forth is, is the next step. So yeah, it's been really cool. This this is this is really true, trailblazing stuff. Uh, but we cannot end this conversation without asking you. Two questions which relate to other sides of your life, i.e. the legal side and your musical side. So one of the questions is this. How, how can people access, access um, sort of help with the criminal justice system, you know, if issue, they, they confront issues like this? Okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's really difficult. I recognise having worked as a defence barrister, <laughs> which is another question because... Sometimes I was representing people who were charged with offense, these type of offenses, believe it or not. But um, it's a very difficult thing when you are facing this issue personally and you're deciding whether or not to engage in the criminal justice system. I certainly would recommend if a child is in danger, immediately, there's no question, call 999 or the local um police, wherever you are, just do it. We want to keep our children out of danger. Uh, if it's a little um, on from that and there is no imminent danger and you're thinking about what to do next, I definitely would personally recommend um, once your child has made a complaint and that is, and I really do feel we have to listen to our children. It, it's very rare that a child making this complaint is going to be saying something that's not true. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it, it's, it's, it's rare. Uh, uh, report it. Um, I do recognise, however, that there are different um, responses and reactions to, to the police or to the criminal justice system. Um, and so everybody will have to make their own decisions about uh, how they engage with the criminal justice system. But I, I want to be very, very clear I'm not having the perpetrator or whatever happens to that person or the community in mind. I'm having the victim in mind. I'm only speaking about potentially protecting the victim in a sense. But within the um, criminal justice system, certainly in the United Kingdom where we are at present, there are several measures that are built into the system which are designed to protect children and vulnerable people when they engage with the criminal justice system and when they report these types of offences and they are taken very, very seriously. So I would definitely be recommending that if there are any issues at all, report it, report it, report it, report it. And you can't, you can't say that enough. I really Which can't say that enough. brings us to your musical life as well so you've just you've just recently released um a single um on on youtube tell us about it well thank you for that i mean um it's just <laughs> it's it's called dance in the rain and um it kind of ties up with everything that's been happening in my life recently um 
clearly uh, we might consider what I've gone through and having to come out and speak about it as a, a, a tricky time, but I'm choosing by the grace of God to to dance in it. And what I mean by that is that I'm choosing to to put my trust and my and my hope and, and my confidence in God and for him to use that position to allow me to grow. So when it comes to rain, I think William McDowell said that rain only matters to those who have seed in the ground, you know, for people, for people that haven't planted anything, rain can be a nuisance, but every, every harvester knows that you need the rain for growth. And we all really know, although we don't necessarily like rainy days, but we know that we need the, the rain for growth. If we don't have rain, we're not going to grow. So dance in the rain is really about that. It's about, um, just, using the, the 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 times of trouble or the times that are difficult to really dig deeper um to extend the analogy and to to use that to grow in God and to grow in everything that he he has I know it's been wonderful having a chat with you um but before we go do you want to tell people uh, where they can access your products your music um any social media handles and your bank account details <laughs> you know your your pin number you know we need we need all of that okay maybe not my pin number but if you want to pay, oh. I don't want me to eat at you can check it I'm messing um but um seriously everything is my name so just Anu Omidei, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anuomidei.com is my website. Everything about me is on there. You can access my music through there. Um, you can um, find out more about this project. And um, the, the, the last single that has just sort of come out is from the EP, The Worship Must Go On. And you can get that from every digital outlet. The Worship Must Go On, the EP, again by me, Anu Omidei. Anu, thank you very much. Thanks for sharing your story with us and um, all the best. And I know the Lord is a great restorer. So, you know, whatever the enemy attempted to steal, he will restore. When thank you so much. When the clouds form, it's time for a new thing. It's time for a new thing. When the sun sets, when the night calls, it's time for a new day. It's time for a new day. What has died must come to What's been sown must break through ground. The time is now to come alive. Send your showers, we will rise. I'm gonna dance in the rain. I'm gonna dance through the pain. He will remove my shame as I dance in the rain. I'm gonna dance in the rain. I'm gonna dance through the pain He will remove my shame As I dance in the rain Put 
pressure comes through fire burns blue it's time for a new thing it's time for a new thing he's making pure gold we're coming through bold it's time for a new day it's time for a new way what has died must come to life what's been sold must break through ground the time is now to come alive send your showers and we will rise i'm gonna dance in the rain i'm gonna dance through the pain he will remove my shame as i dance in the rain i'm gonna dance in the rain i'm gonna dance through the pain he will remove my shame as i dance in the rain the time is now to come alive send your showers we will rise Time is now to come alive. Send your showers, we will rise. The time is now to come alive. Send your showers, oh, As I dance in the rain, in the rain, through the pain, he will remove my shame. As I dance in the rain, the time is now to come alive. Send your showers. We're gonna rise. The time is now to come alive. Send your showers. We will rise. The time is now. The time is now. The time is now. The time is now. Time is now.